0: Two yards should be just a nice comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs>
1: yo yo welcome in golf fans uh it's american express week my name is joe idoni this is preferred lines welcome to the show if you're coming back if you're a seasoned veteran in the preferred line streets we appreciate you as always for checking out the show if you are new thank you for stopping by i hope that you enjoy this is a golf betting show i'm going to bring a good friend of mine along in a minute we'll do a brief course preview for the american express we will um We'll talk best bets. We'll go through the odds boards, all that kind of good stuff here in just a few minutes. Um, Thrilled to be uh, supported once again by my boys over at the Fantasy Golf Pod. As always, uh, the Golf Guys program goes live Wednesdays at 520. Josh, Chad, Eric, all the guys are there. Uh, Appreciate the boys over at Fantasy Golf Pod. Also, got to mention, doing some work on the Discord side with my guys, the Tour Junkies. Your boy is hot in the streets coming out in discord seven and zero on the head to head matchup picks uh, right now have yet to lose a single matchup. The top 40s were crushing as well. Two dollars per week. Go ahead and sign up over there in the nut hut. Um, here's what we got on tap for tonight. We're going to bring him in. I'm going to let him handle the course preview, go through the odds boards, best bets, get you out of here in time for a little bit more Monday Night Football. Um, so now welcome to the show. Uh, he's actually a really, really good writer, uh, provides an excellent course preview over the, on the sports gambling podcast network, co-host of the golf gambling podcast. Welcome to preferred lines. Steve Shermer. What's up, dude?
0: How much, man? Good to be on. Uh, I don't know if I'm happy to talk about the Amex. Uh, I think we kind of talked a little bit before the show about how, uh, this uh, tournament can be a little annoying. Uh, and even the guy who loves to dig into the, uh, golf architecture and, uh, you know, break down the course like that. There's a lot of things that kind of annoy me about this tournament too. So, but I, you know, I'm here to break it down with you. Uh, Hopefully get some
1: winners and uh, we'll see what happens. We appreciate, uh, I appreciate you coming on this week. We'll, we'll talk through it. Uh, But first I got to know the people need to know Steve Shermer. What's your burner. What's my burner? Are you on Twitter? <laughs> Do you? What's the burner no. account, Steve? We know you're on there. You, you know, people
0: thought that uh, I was uh, the man behind the golf gambling podcast uh, official Twitter account. Uh, it's okay. not. It's our uh, guy Cameron Kerr. He does all our social media. He, he's great, but no, I am uh, still hanging on. Uh, one of the few that is still, you know, still Twitterless. Uh, I kind of like that little bubble. I like having like my own little inner circle. You're in that inner circle. If you want to be able to get to me, you know how to get to me. Uh, But it's nice, too, that I kind of can just focus every single week and not look at some of like what the narratives are going on. Like I kind of just know the courses. I can see what's going on as far as like how guys are trending, who the fits are. Because, you know, I, I, I my co-host, who is constantly on Twitter, he will send me usually at about one in the morning after about five or six genitics, just something that someone says. And it can either be, you know, just easily, uh, um, you know, debunked or might not be irrelevant, or it might give him like a little idea that makes him go down a rabbit hole, which might be totally wrong. Like, I like getting the noise, you know, getting it out. And, uh, you know, just it keeps me focused. And what it does to that, you know, if especially with outrights betting. Like, I mean, DFS is a different animal. You want to know what yeah. guys are, you know, are on. But like, if you like a guy pre-tournament, like just for the, you know, for the odds standpoint, it shouldn't really matter what everybody else is betting online. You know, I right. think everybody as a golf community, gaming community is getting smarter in general. So it seems like there's more community wins. Maybe it's because there's more of us, but I think we're also just getting a lot smarter as far as finding the stuff that matters, um, breaking down the golf courses well. So, you know, what matters. And I think we're just betting a little smarter.
1: Yeah, the, the course breakdowns and the, the dive into analytics has really expanded things. And I think a lot of people are on a similar sort of group thing. Before, before we start on Amex, let's talk a little bit about what we saw at the Sony. Um, Siwoo Kim was fantastic. I had a Hayden Buckley ticket that I was sweating out, but it's hard not to love Siwoo Kim. Mm-hmm. I mean there's I think that there's something that can be said about uh, a guy just absolutely going for it in contention in playing uber aggressive to the max and it's now gotten him four career wins um do you consider that like is that a a tournament that Siwu won or did you feel like Buckley lost it
0: I mean I I think Siwoo took it from him uh I mean Siwoo came out firing hot when he birdie like his first three holes yes um and then I mean he had that amazing chipping on 17 it's i mean listen like i mean buckley you kind of could see there was a little bit of a letdown coming because he was so molten hot with the putter on friday and then the ball striking on saturday was kind of just as an unsustainable clip and you know it's a new situation for him but i think overall i think he played fine uh didn't seem like he made too many mistakes i think on sunday i I mean the giants game was on during most of the cover so most my attention was on my favorite team and uh our, our friend, our new franchise quarterback, Daniel Jones is going to get probably <laughs> 120 million guaranteed now Uh that I can't believe I'm even saying that I'm happy with because a month ago, I would not, was not, but I mean, listen, like, you know, I, I was kind of with you with Buckley. um You know, I, I, I only had a positional on him, but he lived up kind of my expectations. A lot of what I was looking for at, at while I was with them growing up the rough a little bit to make it a little tougher. I thought, you know, basically being a, Really good driver of the golf ball was going to help you, and that's Buckley. I mean, I, I made a note on my show that he hadn't lost strokes uh off the tee in like six months or so, yeah. But C was kind of the same way, you know, he hits a lot of fairways, he drove pretty well. Uh, and at the end of the day, it, it um, you know, he up getting the win, so you know, good for him. Um, you know, it's 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 a little unfortunate because he's kind of our little mascot on our show. We love to bet him. We neither of us were on him this week, I think, yeah. because we bought in a little too much on the uh. Hey guys who play century tend to win this thing. Yep. You know, maybe. of course they got broken. So, yeah. but uh, it, it was good to see him win. But overall though, I think Buckley played fine. I, I, I have high hopes for him this year. I think, I think at some point he'll, he'll probably break through for a win. Maybe not this year, but maybe in the fall swing next year.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Justin made a point there about some of the putting. Look, I, I actually think he, he okay. So he had a couple of opportunities around the green, which I want to get to in a moment. Um, basically, right on the fringe where he he got in in three from right around the fringe. You got to get those in in two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was actually really impressed. He kept his rhythm. He did not seem rattled one bit in any circumstance. Um, he made big bounce back putts for birdie and like Siwoo Kim just goes for it I mean there were a couple situations when he was in the rough where he had to carry it over a bunker and I think the commentators were just talking like he's just going to try to lay this up and do something safe he doesn't do that ever Um, he goes for every single opportunity so it was really kind of kind of cool to see that pay off let me ask you something Steve and I want your sort of take on it I've been I'm kind of working through this take in my mind so I want to run it by you Is there a difference in terms of some of the stats that you may factor into a week? Do you provide more importance or emphasis on some stats in an outright betting market versus what you would in, say, a DFS or a top 40 or to make the cut market? Um, Are you doing anything different there when you try to analyze outright bets or is it mostly stick with the same strategy across the board for the week? If you're on point, it should work all the way around.
0: You know, I I think the only time I really change up the the strategies for is for DFS, where it's mostly for low ownership guys, because listen, like we all have access to the same stats right now. Like if we talk about a player who is performing pretty well, we're all going to regurgitate the same stuff. Uh, for DFS, I try and get into a mindset of, okay, trying to match a guy who might be down on his luck right now to the course. So that might just show up in the actual stat sheet where he's, you know, in his irons pretty poorly, but I know when he goes more of a shorter track, more, you know, maybe a grass that he's more familiar with, that might be where he pops up. So then you can, you know, get leverage on everybody and maybe he ends up working out for you, but in outrights and betting though, I tend to just kind of focus on, okay, these stats are important um tend to be a little safer with some of those bets as far as like you know and i i've been pretty formulaic with some of my betting cards especially with the outright market um you know we've talked about it back and forth i think we uh, talked about it last fall where it seems like ever since you know the live guys exited uh it really ate away a lot of the middle class and where the odds are right now it just seems like you know the guys who are now 60 70 80 to one realistically like they're t- with their talent level, they should be more like hundred, 120 to one. Yeah. And I think that's why we're seeing, and we saw again last week, it hit, you know, see, 45 to one, Um, you know, those types of guys really are just more of a cut above, you know, kind of the middle, the new middle and bottom tier. So, um, you know, that's basically where I'm living as far as like structuring my betting card. And, you know, I don't really change it with the stats. I just kind of look at it, but for DFS though, I think you have to be a little, think a little more outside the box for sure. Um, yeah, you know, because, you know, it's golf, it's unpredictable and you have to get leverage on everybody in the contest. And that's the easiest way I think to do is kind of think about, okay, where has this guy been kind of good at before, even if he's done on your luck? Um, you know, that's where you kind of change the strategy, at least for me.
1: Yeah, I think totally. So what I've, I've been kind of starting to chart and work through a little bit. So. I think the end all be all in in DFS and, and the the stat that everyone's going to point to in terms of most indicative is is strokes gained approach or ball striking. One of the two, right? I feel like every week when you pull up the data golf, you know the little like Pentagon that they have in terms of like what's important. Yeah. Around the green game is always ranked very low in terms of correlation to success. And a lot of people, I feel like, don't put enough emphasis on it. And I feel like that makes sense. In, it's, it's somewhat unpredictable, and it makes sense, I guess, in a DFS format when you need to get six of six guys through, when you're looking at a really broader perspective of guys you think can finish 15th or 10th this week. But I think there's something, too, that when it comes to outright bets, around the green game I think is more important in an outright bet market than anything else it really is indicative of who ends up hoisting the trophy more times than not and and I thought about it last week a little bit I mean in all like Colin was a great play last week he made you money in DFS he made you money in top five top 10 he was underpriced he outperformed his expectation but he lost that tournament because he couldn't chip or pitch around the green and that's where john rom was really able to take success i was trying to pull up the stats but i know rom gained like two around the green in in the same situation with siwu yesterday I mean, just being able to chip in on 17, he's fantastic around the green. And players like that, when they find themselves into contention, ultimately their situations within that back nine where they have to get themselves up and down from sometimes a precarious situation, sometimes just a normal situation, but is so much more meaningful in the spot. Like that Hayden Buckley up and down on 18 that he needed on Wednesday, he probably gets that up and down 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, when the tournament's on the line, it becomes much more difficult. So I think that I'm going to start maybe shifting a little bit more toward around the greens, when I'm specifically looking at who can capture an outright win. Because when we go out and play on Saturday, Steve, everyone says your short game is so important. I think that that really carries true and rings true more so on the PGA Tour than sometimes we maybe give that credit for.
0: Well, I mean, that's the point I was actually about to make is that like, you know, you take guys who want to be low handicap amateurs and the. You know, if you talk to scratch golfers, one of the yeah. things they tell you to work on is work on your short games because you save strokes. And, and that's a great point is, listen, like if you want to have a lot of top 10 finishes, a lot of top 20 finishes in the PJ Tour, be a good ball striker, be able to roll yeah. the rock a little bit. But if you really want to get that win, it comes down to, I mean, you see it every week. Mm-hmm. It comes out of one shot here, one shot there. We saw yeah. with Siwu Kim, he chipped in on 17. Really just the short game is kind of, the, you know, the difference maker. Um, you know, as far as like handicap return, I, I, I agree. I mean, statistically, at least with how strokes gain work, it is the area that you tend to either not separate yourself from the field as much, or you just don't gain as much of the field. Um, but for me, I usually like leaning on it when I know that it's very difficult, uh, greens to hit, you know, usually when there's a low green regulation rate. Um, typically though, when it's like a birdie fest, there's a higher green regulation rate, you know, at that point, if you need to actually, you know, like yeah. get a lot of birdie opportunities, if you're not a good iron player, but you're really good around the green. Yeah. It's good for making pars, but you're going to, you know, like lag behind, but yeah, there's definitely cer- certain situations where, you know, at least just in crunch time, you know, short game definitely does matter. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree with that sentiment.
1: Cool. Let's talk a little on Amex. Got three to. course rotation. Two of them shot trackerless um pro and format long rounds we know about it accessible pins slower greens we know what John Rom thinks about this tournament I'll be frank I would I have no problem if <laughs> and I say this about maybe one or two events of the schedule if they eliminate this event and we never see it again I would be just fine with it um it's 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 annoying it's hard to follow it's hard to bet There's long shots. I'm frankly very surprised that this many of the top players uh, signed up for this thing, knowing that they have Tory next week, knowing that it's not elevated status. Um, Why do you think that is?
0: I mean, I think it's probably has to do with American Express.
1: Um, I I, I think they
0: probably, I mean, I know there's not officially any appearance fees. Um, I'm going to guess, I think there's actually, they might have some sponsorship deals with some of these guys. And maybe the arrangement is, hey, like, we'll sponsor you, but you got to show up to the Amex because you're right. Like, this is this used to be one of the bigger events when it was the Bob Hope Classic. He had Bob Hope going out there, you know, doing his shtick. But, right. um, you know, now it's just it's it's an afterthought. Um, this used to be the tournament where most celebrities lived out in Palm Springs and now they live out in L.A. So there's really no reason to go out there unless you right. want like a nice spa day or something. Um I agree with you though. Like this is one where like I, I wrote up 2,600 words and I still are, am having a hard time kind of figuring out like exactly what I want this week because each course kind of is a little bit different and values some different things. Like you just mentioned on on data golf, you know, some of those relative skill set charts you know, it seems like three of the four rounds on Nicholas and the stadium course um, tends to favor longer hitters. Uh, at the Nicholas course, you had to be a little more accurate too. Um, but what's weird though, is with the stadium course, I mean, the driving distances on all drives on power fours and fives is one of the lowest on the PJ tour. You know, there's a lot of forced layups with a Pete Dye design. That's kind of what he tries to go for, uh, mm. where it's a little more important to hit the correct side of the fairway to get the angle into the green. Uh, otherwise you have to carry over a bunker or a lot of these greens on, um, the stadium course are very long and narrow. So if you're on the wrong side of the fairway, it's gonna be hard to hit the green there. But on Nicholas, though, it's kind of like a watered-down version of the scene. Course, everything's really right on front. It still got the Mogul Mounds, you know, still got the dormant Bermuda. That's another thing I think I really don't like with this tournament too is like it just looks bad. We're coming off Hawaii, the ocean and like yeah, it, all all the great all the great drone shots about Honolulu and Maui. It was great. And now we're going to just kind of an ugly overseeded antiquated kind of golf course where I don't really find all the compelling and we only have shot link at one place stadium course. Yeah. The Nicholas course is kind of a watered down version of the stadium course. I mean, it's kind of right on front of you. It's pretty wide fairways. That's a little more driver heavy. Um, and then Lakenta, I don't understand why they still go there because that is completely an outdated golf course at pretty much everything off the tee is carried. Um, hmm by all the professionals like driving kind of just doesn't matter there. And every that's why everybody goes low. It's really about, okay, yeah. you know, I'm going to set up a really nice short iron into a green, try and make the putt. Um, and that's what makes it difficult too. Like it, you know, that's why John Ramsay he doesn't really like this term. Even he, though he's a former winner, it kind of comes down to just putting. So uh, that's always tough to handicap. Um, you know, it's tough also because you don't have a lot of data on Nicholas and LaQuinta. You kind of have to guess. I'm just going to go under the assumption just based on, you know, how I think you attack the Nicholas course is you can hit driver a lot there. It's not a long golf course, probably a lot of shorter approach shots. Same thing at La Quinta. We have the approach shot distribution chart on the stadium course. So I'm leaning, you know, basically shots under 150, um, maybe a little bit on 150, 175, because that is something that's above average in the stadium course. You get two rounds there. Um, you know, on par five scoring, they're very reachable, all these par fives. Very. Um, you know, and that tends to favor a little bit of a longer hitter if you can get there in two. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it it's, it's definitely not one of my favorite tournaments. Um, there's a lot of things about the steam course in particular that kind of rips off sawgrass uh, for sure. Yeah. I pointed at my column. There's also that stupid bunker on the left of 16 mm-hmm. that uh, the PG tour just loves to have clickbait on. And um, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's one where either I like I've hit Siwoo here, but I also, I think last year got just wrecked my betting mm-hmm. card. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I have some uncomfortable picks, uh, a lot of dicey picks, but um, we'll see what happens.
1: So as I pull up the odds board here, there's not much of a different five winners in terms of uh, skill set and profile than you can get from the last five here. Swaff Daddy last year. Siwoo, you mentioned the year before. Andrew Landry, Adam Long, who I think like Phil was in that playoff with Adam Long Mm -hmm. and and then John Rom, And of course, Patrick Cantlay always plays well here. So a little from the top, um, but it's all over the place. As I bring in the odds board this week, I'm just going to kind of read through the top of the board here. Steve, Rom is 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 plus 650. Wow. Cantlay. Right behind him, Scheffler, Finau, Zalatoris. Um, Finau is the last one under 20 to 1. Then you have Zalatoris at 20, Xander at 20 to 1, Cameron Young at 22, Sung J M right there at 25 to 1 is the best number available there. Um, have you made any plays on the top of the board?
0: Yeah, so it, it's the last two guys you mentioned. And those are kind of the, okay, a little more my uncomfortable picks for this week, just especially with Sung J, just because that was disastrous at YLI. Um, so I was hoping with so let's start with Sonja first. I that was somebody I was hoping to see a three in front of. I thought because it was right out in front of you last week, he was terrible off the yeah. tee, he was could not find fairways, he was in constantly in trouble in the rough. Um, and he hit his you know, statistically, his pro shots were also awful too. Um, but I think with how bad he was driving the ball at Y he was just setting himself up to compound more errors because. You know, they, they they purposely grew up the rough at Wiley to make it tougher. And you saw it. Like, anybody who was missing fairways, it was really dicey. And, you know, it, it, you know if you find yourself in that rough, you're probably not going to hit a good approach shot. And that's going to show up in the stats, too. So, I think it started right there from him. Um, it seemed like when I was watching PG Tour live, uh, that seemed to be uh, – he just was shooting himself in the foot, you know, right off the jump. When he had approach shots into the green, he seemed he was okay. Um, I didn't see anything too loose other than maybe like, uh, uh, there was a couple, I think he left in a bunker, but overall, I thought if he was actually driving it, okay, he was relatively fine. So now he's going to come to, uh, PJ West, a lot of success here. Uh, he's got a top 10 here three years ago. He's T 12 last year. I remember in 2021. I think he was like leading into, uh, the weekend and he did something really dumb. Uh, we actually came up on our show. We, uh, nicknamed him knucklehead after this. I think he had like, he Left it in a bunker and he had like 220 out over water. He tried to hit a hybrid to the green, and of course, it went in the water. Yeah, uh, so he made some dumb decisions that weekend, but you know, his performance at this golf course is pretty good. Uh, you also look if you want to take the agronomy angle too. Um, a lot of good success in some of these other overseas golf courses too, like Valspar, uh, Heritage. Hmm. Um, you know, he's had some good success. I, I think he has a top 10 at Phoenix as well. That's another angle if you want to go towards as far as like, you know, you know, the agronomy takes uh, for the overseas golfers. I listed my column this week. He has some good success there, too. Um, you know, if you want to go by, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Town as well. Um, you know, that's a Pete dive. It's kind of a watered down Pete dive, kind of like this place as well. Um, sure. So I kind of I like the bounce back this week. I thought 25. I wish it was a little better on him. But I was able to fit that in my betting card because, um, you know, I just basically I, I took some guys a little lower down the board too, so I fit them there. And then, uh, and then Cam Young, so I, I bet him as well. I got there was a brief for a brief moment there was a twenty eight on him. And I, I I took that. I just felt, you know, just he he's a really good player. He's going to win eventually. Um, you know, he has had good performances on some golf courses where. You know, shorter iron has been a little, you know, pretty important. Like, you know, he finished third place in Harbor town. The driver has taken it out of his hands that week. He still played yeah. very well. Uh, Southern Hills to the PJ championship, a lot of shorter approach shots that week, or St. Andrews, a lot of wedges into a lot of those greens. Uh, and he also has, you know, he's been really good at different sets of golf courses. Like I've seen really mm-hmm. good on some really difficult tracks be really good on some easy tracks. So with this course rotation, I kind of like having a guy that I know is pretty adaptable to different situations. And I just think he's a really talented player. I know he can get hot and pour a lot of breweries on, uh, the putter can be a little dicey sometimes. Um, but you know, if he's stuffing his wedges and short irons pretty close, he's great on the par fives too. Um, you know, as long as, you know, he's not getting too much trouble off the tee. I kind of like him this week. I like getting 28 to one to on him. So those are my two guys at the top of the board.
1: Yeah. I think Sung Jay, you make a great case for a bounce back. week. cam Young's an interesting one for me because, um, you know, I didn't necessarily love what I saw at the century, but I didn't hate it either. It was it was it was a good attempt to shake a little rust off. I wonder, part of me wonders, like how much emphasis do you put into like, are you totally overthinking of it by by going down the the rabbit hole of is this guy going to be a like is he going to hate playing with two amateurs? like for six hour rounds. And I kind of think Cameron Young might be one of those guys like a Patrick Cantley where the two amateurs are like, let's just leave this guy the hell alone. Like I would, he looks mean, he looks angry. I don't want to talk to him. Let's leave him alone and let him do his thing. So maybe he'll just, maybe he'll be out there playing pretty well. The one guy, I guess at the top of the board that has my attention, I haven't bet anyone yet. Um, I didn't love any of the numbers by the time I got to him. I'm considering Xander and I don't know why Steve, but Um, You know, data golf has him as as projected the best win percentage. That's not factoring in injury. But I have to believe, why do you sign up for for three days of of six hour rounds before Tory? I'll have to look more into that angle of does he have connections and getting paid by American Express just to be here. Um, But it was just interesting to me, the fact that he's. He's playing this week. Um, I did talk to Andy, who's talked to the caddy and says that it's all systems go, that he's sore, but he's going to give it a go and he has no intentions of withdrawing. I think that's probably the case for him two weeks ago. Um, Worries there, but I do feel like should he be healthy, like beware always overthinking the injured golfer that we get into Um, if he's there and he's competing and he's and he's okay, I think 20 to one presents maybe the best number on this board.
0: Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even twenty to one last year. Like, you know, like in a lot of tournaments. Like, what was he at? Like fourteen to one at Travelers or something. Yeah, uh, like sixteen maybe at Scottish Open. Yeah, it, it's not often we see twenties on non-major events for for Xander. And I mean, look, like I kind of made the mention with like with Cam Young, where you know Xander's a great all-around player that feels like he's very adaptable in different situations because he's so good and so well-rounded kind of like a Patrick Catley. I think that's why he's pretty good in these types of formats. Um, yeah. and you know, Xander's got a lot of really good, uh, success on, uh, some overseas tracks as well. Uh, you think about Phoenix, same mm-hmm. agronomy. Uh, I think he has a top 10 of Valspar as well. Same agronomy there too. So yeah, there's a lot of things to like about Xander. The issue is, um, you know, is he going to be healthy? You know, maybe he'll make a comment in the, when he goes to the media, maybe tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, but I, if, if you're somebody who wants to be a little risky with your outright guy, I mean, it's 20 to one, how risky is it? But you know, there is the question of, is he healthy? I uh, 20 to one on a healthy Xander at this golf course is a really good number if you want to take that risk. So I think that's perfectly fine. And, and, you know, listen, it's golf. We don't have Adam Schefters. We don't have Ian Rappaport. There's a lot of unknowns. (laughs) Um, sometimes even the stats that we look at, it could be complete bullshit you know, at the end of the yep. day. So, uh, you know, I, I think if you're somebody who wants to take a stand on him this week, I think uh, from a player profile standpoint, he's excellent for this place.
1: Okay, this middle range, this is where it gets kind of interesting. I'm just going to kind of open this thing up. I'll read off some names, but you have Tom Kim, Sam Burns, uh, right there at around the 25 and 35 to one mark. Then you get a, a, an interesting group in in basically starting at 41. Harmon, Hoagie, Siwoo attempting back to back. Montgomery, Wise, Davis, Putnam, Thigala, Hadwin—all names that that I've heard already dropped a, a couple times this week. Um, anything in the midsection here for you that's got your attention? Yeah,
0: I mean, this was one where I went shopping for for pricing here because yep. there are a lot of guys I like her. so it kind of kind of came down to can I spin a narrative that I like, um, you know, that I they could have a path to success to win this thing. And they can kind I of get a good number on him? So, yeah, like, so, so the rest of my betting card is in this range. It's just that I got decent numbers because I got in a little early. Um, and then for, you know, we'll talk about long shots, but my philosophy just with this new PGA2 like, if I miss out on the 100 to 1, 150 to 1, that's okay. I can live myself. I'm probably going to have a positional or be somewhere close around that anyway. So, um, so let's just talk about this race as far as like, you know, so, so Hoagie, um, I found a 50 to 1 on him. Just been hitting really good since all yeah. the way going back to um, you know, basically the Scottish Open last July. Uh, he hasn't had a single tournament where he's lost strokes uh, with his pro shots. I mean, listen, like, I think he's perfect for this type of uh, tournament where, um, you know, a lot of shorter approach shots. Uh, he's really elite from under 150. Uh, good score from that range, too. You know, I, I, what concerns me a little bit, like, he has been driving the ball. All that great recently. Uh, maybe if you go to the stadium course, that's a uh, golf course where you can keep the driver in the bag because you kind of got a plot around. Uh, La Quinta it doesn't seem like anybody like is really affected. Just You're just a tour player, and there's no real adversity off the tee. So I'm not worried about him there. I guess I'm worried about a little bit of Nicholas Turman because you do have to hit the driver a little more there. But overall, let's see, he finished second there last year. Uh, I know he can get the job done at a Pro-Am because he won Pebble Beach. Uh a couple of weeks after that. And just I just like the solid play. He played really well. Um, you know, hitting the ball really good last week at Wiley. Uh, I also saw that I think eight of the last 10 winners of the Amex played the Sony. So I try <laughs> I want to try and get some guys that hit the ball well at Sony. Uh, maybe didn't put it all that great and try to get him here. Now, if you look back at who's won here, <laughs> I mean it, you know, Andrew yeah. Landry missed five straight cuts. Uh Hudson Swaffer wasn't really doing anything. Adam Long <laughs> at the same thing, too. So I mean, who knows? Uh, it makes me yep. sleep better at night knowing that I'm on that narrative. But I, I, I like how he's playing. I like his fit for this golf course. Um, so you know, I went with 50 to one on him. I took a 55 to one on Cam Davis too. You know, that kind of fits a little bit what data golf is suggesting with the stadium course, where longer guys, guys are pretty good around the green tend to do well here. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't been more in the mix at a lot of these tournaments. So if you go back the last two years, this is sad. I really like looking at just especially with the outrights. Like who are like who's in the mix? Because sometimes the final leaderboard doesn't really explain the whole story. But if I see that like you're after 54 holes you're within five of the lead, you're within shot distance. I I I note that. And you know for Cam Davis though it's only been twice over the last two years, and he's really good in Mm -hmm. a lot of his strokes gain statistics. Like he's really solid in it. But there's not many times I can really remember him actually in the mix fighting for a win. So that's a little you know that's a little concerning. But I think his overall game fact that he's pretty long off the tee really good with his shorter irons too um pretty good scrambler decent putter as well hit the ball pretty good last week uh, had a decent final round as well maybe that can carry some momentum to be good here i think he has a third place finish here as well uh so i like that and then gt poston um again going back to last year i think he's only lost strokes to the field with his approach i think in five uh 23 tournaments which is surprising for Poston because I generally think of him kind of like more like a Denny McCarthy type, where maybe not as strong with the irons, but he was just a good scrambler, good putter, but it's kind of turned around in him where he's hitting his irons pretty good going back all the way, you know, pretty much to last summer. The putter hasn't been all that good. But hmm. if you go back and look at some of his performances on overseas golf courses, a lot of success there. Harbertown, Valspar, Phoenix, he's been really good. At it. He's put really well at a lot of these places too. Uh, also did really well at the Travelers last year, you know, kind of like a you know, a little bit of watered down Pete Dye design kind of like what we're going to see at least in the stadium course here. Um, so I can, I got him at 90 to one. Uh, I, you know, I know he's like 60 to one, 50 to 1 some books, but you know, I, I think it comes down to this, like, by like a Taylor Montgomery. I like, uh, you know, had always really good here. Cage Lee might be interesting too. I think it kind of depends on this range. There's a lot of guys you like, maybe go with just price shop a little bit. Like you see here with odds checker and, uh, that be your guys, but those are the three I landed on. I can at least spin a narrative. I also like Sahith. I don't know if he, you, you know, I've been talking for a while, so maybe I'll push it back to you. But uh, yeah. I like Saheeth. Uh, unfortunately, I saw something today that took me off him. But
1: tell me, tell me.
0: I uh, there's um, there's a cert- there's certain people that pick him. That got you got know, it. That
1: yeah, I'm not concerned we all with go that. With I'll step okay. in front of it. I took got Sahith. It. Okay. Um. So Sahith and Cam Davis are my guys. You make great points on Cam Davis. Sahith. I think um, just, just two young players that are are coming to this thing, hungry, looking to win, who I think possess this skill off the tee and around the green. Both are really, really solid around the greens. I think Sahith is picking up confidence with the putting. Cam Davis is a little hit or miss, but those two guys. And then what I think I'm going to do, so I, I mentioned Xander, uh, but my other option is pivoting to like, Two more guys in this range, which I think I'm going to do. I like Taylor Montgomery, if I'm just going to go the young kid narrative who are just super hungry for an early season win. And then Tom Hoagie, like the more I more I dive into it, like I, I forget what you mentioned, um, you know, ab- about being a pro am winner. Um, I, I totally forgot about that, and that may be enough to put me over the edge. But, you know, I was looking into, so they released a head-to-head matchup today, Siwoo versus um, Tom Hokey, straight even odds, minus 110 tournament matchups. which I've really been trying to hone in and, and sharpen my skills on a little bit more, which I found interesting because um, while priced nearly the same in, in sort of, betting formats. They're drastically different priced in DraftKings. So Siwoo's almost I believe $800 more expensive. So I'm always looking for guys who have an even betting line who are the same odds to win, who have basically an even head-to-head line, but they're $800 off in DraftKings. Like something's to look at there. And and as I dove more into how fantastic Siwoo's been as an iron player, um, number two in recently, I believe in like the last 16 to 20 rounds in strokes gained approach, the only guy ahead of him is Tom Hoagie. Uh so he's just been fantastic the sh- the under 7200 yards. Um I think I like both of those kids there and then Saheeth and Cam Davis are two that that I already have in.
0: Okay. I mean so so I'll explain why I, I like Saheeth this week for anybody who's not a superstitious crazy person like me. Um I just I I, I've seen enough evidence from him where, listen, he's really volatile. And I think that's yes. why he doesn't look very good in some of the stats categories. Like I, like I was looking, I think, at projection ownership. It's dirt low. And it's because, like, if you do a model, listen, he has terrible iron weeks sometimes. He has terrible putting <laughs> weeks sometimes. He's awful off the tee. He can't find a fairway. But there's those magical weeks, too, where second RSM, we saw yeah. last year i had oversee a golf course in Phoenix, in Phoenix almost won that he finished. I think top 10 at Valspar, another overseer golf course. There's also a lot of guys here too. That have been like weirdly good at Memorial and been good here. <laughs> um, I mean, I know back in 2016, the first year that they had the same course, it was Lingworth versus Duffner. Um, yeah. In the both Memorial champions. You got John Rahm, obviously really good at the Memorial. Patrick Cantley, really good at the Memorial. See, Woo Kim also decent the Memorial as well. Some JM finished. uh, He's good here. Finished top 10 the Memorial too. Maybe it's because of the Nicholas uh, tournament course. Hmm. Maybe that might be a little bit help explain it, but um, you know, so he finished top 10 there as well. Like, let's he has, he's a good player. We've seen him have huge weeks and just, unfortunately doesn't really work out for him as well. Like we saw the travelers, yeah. another Pete Dye golf course. So, um, I like him a lot. I, I thought the number on him were, was pretty good. Yeah, uh, if you want to go too. with him, I think you can make a great case for it. Uh, a, a guy who can pile up birdies in a hurry. Now, if, if he can put it together for four rounds, we'll see. I think you're going to know immediately, too, if you got something, because, you know, usually yeah. with Tahith, it's either, <laughs> all right, birdies for the first seven holes, or he's plus three after six.
1: Yep. So. You're right. Extremely volatile. 60 to one though, the best number available over at DraftKings right now, um, the rest of the board. And we've seen these guys sort of hit, I'm going to save my long shots for a little video I'm going to put out tomorrow. Um, I know you mentioned you don't really love betting these guys and you're kind of adjusting that strategy. Give me, give me, give me one guy who maybe you like as a, as a top 10 or 20 top 20 bet. That's it's in this triple digits on the outright odds board.
0: Okay. Um, I got a funny fear, feeling Harris English is going to show well this week. Okay. You know, I mean, what he he had a great first round last week. I mean, we've seen kind of hints of him starting to put it together. We saw a little bit last while he finished top 10 at Fortnite. Had three really good rounds, I think, in Houston before he fell down the leaderboard. He got, I think he was first round leader at Mayakoba Got off to a good start last week in Wiley. That fell apart with him. Um you know, he's been okay here. Uh, I think a lot of this, I think he's been a little better some of his older stuff than recently. But, I mean, he did win Travelers. Um, you know, some similarities there to this place. And I just think that he, for 100-1, to 1, for a guy that not too long ago before the injury, was a Ryder Cup player. He was a top 15, you know, at least U.S. player. Uh, you know, top 30 player on the PG-2, at least. Is he washed up? I don't know, but I've seen enough glimpses to at least give me some hope that he still has a little something to him. And he fits the profile of just, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. Like, you know, finishing what, like 68th last week. You know, none of the stats are really good. And then he just ends up popping up and winning this week. Uh, same thing with like a Christian Bazaden hoot as well. Like he was awful last week. So but bad. if you look at what he's good at, Pretty good under 150. You're gonna get a lot of that this week. Really good putter on overseed as well. And that hmm. could be someone I could just see just draining birdies all day long. Maybe finds a little bit more form uh with the irons. I mean, he's had some pretty bad results on the PG Tour uh recently, but you know, he finished third over in the European Tour, I think, in the South African Open. Uh he played okay, I think at like Shriners and Fortinet. you know, one of those garbage tournaments. He he he's he's been We're not that far removed from like an acceptable, like, okay. Like he used to be kind of like an automatic top 40 player. He was kind of just that, but I can see him, you know, just being a type of guy that kind of just starts draining a bunch of birdies, draining a bunch of putts. Um, And he does have some pedigree to him too. So um, that could be somebody I could see kind of coming out of nowhere uh, this week, as far as like a winner. Otherwise though, like there's a lot of corn fairy guys. Um, that I've been kind of keen. I'm like, I think I'm starting to get like my little player pool of like those graduates, like a uh, you know Will Gore and the Ben Griffin. Uh, yeah. Ben on uh, played great yep. last week, shockingly with the putter. By the way, I didn't know where that came from, but you know he's been pretty hit and miss, but he's been pretty good. Kind of like with Sung J M, a lot of really good results on overseas tracks and pretty good results here too. A uh, Ben Taylor, Kevin Yu, uh Carl Yuan. Uh I think there's a lot to like with some of those guys. Those are guys I'm looking at for like a top forty price, and then just some other guys down the card too. Um, you know, Matthew Neesmith, uh, I don't think we've seen him since, uh, what last year's RSM where he was, he was terrible. But before that he had three straight top tens, um, did well the Shriners. Uh, you know, he's got some decent, uh, finishes at like Phoenix. I think he's got a couple of good finishes at Valero as well. Those are both overseas tracks. Um, he might be interesting. Nate Lashley kind of popped his head up. Uh, last week, he hit the ball really good tee to green. He should have won Pebble Beach. I think the year that yeah. uh who won that burger. Uh, yeah. Burger. Yeah. yeah. Lashley, I think had like a, like a five foot for birdie to tie burger. And he missed it. Um But he randomly popped up. Uh That could be a long shot winner. Bo Hostler might be an option. I mean, like, you know, long hitter who can, you know, scramble and putt. Yes. Maybe he gets hot too. Again, he played really well at Pebble last year. That could be somebody you could look to as well. Um, You know, so so I think that you got some, if you really want to go dumpster diving um, for some, you know, triple, you know, like high triple, uh, you know, digit options. I kind of like those guys. I I feel like, you know, it's kind of close your eyes. There's definitely some ugly things about them, but I kind of like those guys to maybe uh, um, get an unexpected win.
1: Yeah, you're going to need him to fill out some lineups. You made a good point that I think some of the the odds in those guys that would normally be 200 to 1 are now kind of cut to 150 or 125, just just given the way things are on the trajectory right now. Um, you made a ton of awesome points, dude. You're always super well-informed and prepared, and, and I appreciate your time. Tell everyone where uh, where you can find you and BC this week. What time? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we're going to be recording our DFS show right after this. So it's going to be a very late night for me. Uh, I was, uh, I was not feeling so great this morning. I had one too many drinks during the giants game. So, uh, (laughs) it's, it's a long day for your boy. Uh, but I'm happy to be here talking golf with you, but you can find us at the golf gambling podcast. Uh, we do three shows a week, Sunday, usually our preview Monday, DFS, Tuesday betting show, uh, during major seasons, we might have like a special one-off episode, maybe like a cut sweat show on Friday. Uh, you can find my columns on SportsGamblingPodcast.com. I put my preview on Sunday, uh, we also do a one done column that comes out on Tuesday. Uh, and then we have our, our, our newest edition, Matt Gannon. Uh, he writes a bunch of stuff for us. He does a lot of great stuff. He writes a DFS column, a picks column. He puts out a narratives column, too, kind of like what I mentioned with Xander. He takes uh, pertinent quotes. Uh, I'm sure he'll probably include a Xander quote this week that we can dissect. And then, like, a Friday weekend bet show. So, we're cranking out the content at sportsgamingpodcast.com. Come yeah. join us. Uh, come join our Discord channel, too. We love having you guys in there talking golf, uh, throwing bets around. Uh, you know, and we, you know, anyone's welcome. So but yeah. uh, Joe, pleasure to have you or, uh, to come on, uh, the show yeah. and, uh, thanks. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, man. Matt Gannon, one of the hardest working guys, he, he never stops right now. And, and you and Boston Capra are probably one of the most entertaining duos out there talking golf. So Steve Shermer, thanks a lot for coming on the pod. Appreciate you, bud. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you all for checking out the show. Good luck at the Amex this week. Um, Good luck in life. Uh, I hope that you have a wonderful week. Best of luck. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. I'm out of here.